Welcome to the ARC Experience, featuring the stories of self-advocates with disabilities and their families from around Wisconsin. Be inspired. Take action. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the ARC Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh, Executive Director of the ARC Wisconsin, and this is a special bonus episode. We are talking with Lynn Breedlove about a little bit about the results of the most recent election, but as we're recording this today, we wanted to spend a little more time talking about what a president-elect Biden, if he gets into office in January, what that would look like for people with disabilities. And so Lynn, I wanted to ask you some direct questions today about what you think some of a President Biden's initial big priorities might be. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. You know, one thing that I've noticed just like following some of the social media after Biden gave his first speech when he was you know, declared the winner by the major media outlets. Um, a lot of disability advocates are making a big deal out of his initial statement where he actually mentioned people with disabilities. So the, the sentence that got everybody excited is, we must make the promise of the country real for everybody, no matter their race, ethnicity, faith, identity, or disability. And it turns out not too many people that have won the presidency have mentioned people with disabilities in their very first speech. So that's, you know, I, when I heard the speech, I thought, well, that's nice, but a lot of people have been reminding me, this is a big deal. Don't, don't assume that that will just automatically happen. So, uh, but also, yeah, you know, you can look at the Biden administration sort of on the big level, like what is he saying are his biggest priorities, the things that, we know are very likely he's gonna work on in his first year. And there's two in particular that I think have a big significance for people with disabilities. One is he says he's gonna have a national COVID strategy. And I saw the press release that came out of the ARC US. And one of the things that was mentioned in that press release was how many people with disabilities have been impacted by COVID you know, people have gotten sick, hospitalized, some have died, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And the fact that President-elect Biden is going to try really hard to bring those COVID case numbers down and hospitalizations down and get a vaccine out and get masks out and really have a national plan, I think that is something that could be a real positive thing for people with disabilities. The second thing, of course, is... Um, He's talking a lot about bringing the economy back and having a jobs program. And obviously a lot of people with disabilities lost their jobs as a result of COVID. Right. Some had their hours cut back. Some people have been laid off and said, we'll bring you back when it's safe, but that could be a long time. So a jobs program, particularly if we can convince the administration to make sure that people with disabilities are included in that jobs program, that could be a really big deal. And a smaller thing within that is Biden says he wants to work with Congress to get this bill passed. It's called the Transformation to Competitive Employment Act. Mm -hmm. And this would be the bill that would gradually eliminate subminimum wage. And there's already a bunch of sponsors in Congress for this bill, but of course, there hasn't been so far an administration that's saying they're going to work with these sponsors. Well, now, if 
if the Biden administration says, hey, we want to get this done, we'll help you get more sponsors, we want to get this over the finish line, you know, that could be a big deal for people in Wisconsin who are now on sub-minimum wage. Lots to think about here. We're going to take a really quick break for a word from our sponsor. Be right back. This podcast episode has been brought to you by Old National Bank. Old National Bank has been recognized by the National Organization on Disability as a leading disability employer and one of the best places to work for disability inclusion. Old National, fostering a welcoming workplace where people of all abilities, backgrounds, and skills can work together to accomplish great things. Is there a way to look even broader at what we think a Biden administration, either during the campaign, what they've said they're going to do or what we expect they might do in the next four years? Yeah, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know that anyone who's running for president has to put out their platform. And uh, in some instances, it's very specific. In other instances, it's vague in general. Well, it turns out Joe Biden put out a pretty specific disability platform in May and said, you know, these are the things I believe in. These are the things I want to work on. Now, of course, a platform, you don't want to get overexcited about it because some of that stuff may get done. Some of it won't get done, but it does give you some clues about what things the candidate believes in and what things that they are least receptive to working on. And when you look at the Biden platform, just looking at the very beginning of it, the big themes in it, I think are interesting. He says he believes in full inclusion for people with disabilities in the community. He says he believes in having a seat at the table uh, for policy development for disability. And this one, he is pretty specific. He says he's going to have a director of disability policy as a senior White House position. So, you know, that's important. He says he wants to strengthen economic security for people with disabilities. And I'll come back to that because he gets more specific later about that. Mm -hmm. He says he wants to work on global disability rights, which sounds to me like he's going to try to work with the Senate to get the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities finally ratified by the United States. That's something a lot of other um, countries in the world have been disappointed that we did not ratify that so far. And then he talks about enforcing civil rights laws vigorously, which of course includes the ADA, but includes some other laws, voting rights laws and other laws that affect people with disabilities. So I think those major themes, you know, they're general, but I think that they're very positive. But then when you go deeper than that, he gets into some specific planks in the platform, things that um, get a l- quite a bit more precise. He says he wants to pass legislation to ensure adherence to the Olmstead decision in the ADA. In other words, mm. really work on downsizing and eliminating segregated settings. So that would, you know, there's still a bunch of states like Wisconsin have state institutions. There's still a lot of sheltered workshops. Right. So that's one thing that they're saying they, they're interested in doing. Do you think, Lynn, that that means we might get rid of what a lot of people call the institutional bias, where our, the public funding really prioritizes those institutional settings before community-based support? I think it's possible. You know, a lot of people, when, when the Supreme Court handed down the Olmstead decision, we thought that was going to happen after that. But what we, what we 
didn't realize is you actually need a federal government who's going to be very aggressive about enforcing a decision like that. And so unless they incorporate in their policies and in their funding guidelines and put some strings on states, you'll still have places like Southern Center still going on year after year, long time after the Olmstead decision. So I think, you know, as with any of these things, it sort of depends, like, are advocates going to hold the Biden administration feet to the fire and say, hey, in your platform, you said you're going to do something to really make the Olmstead decision come true. Like, what are you doing about that? You know, we'll have to be the squeaky wheel. And I'm sure some of the things in this platform will get done. Some probably won't get done. But that obviously is a pretty exciting one. He says he wants to fully implement the Help America Vote Act, which could help to increase the percentage of people with disabilities who vote. One thing that was of particular interest to me is the platform says they want to affirm the right of every person to self-direction. Wow. And what, what that says to me is that states that don't have a program like IRIS, maybe the federal government is saying, hey, what's going on? You know, uh, why aren't you offering a self-direction option? But states that do have a program like IRIS, I like the idea of a federal government saying to Wisconsin, you better keep that program going because we believe that everybody in Wisconsin ought to have a right to choose self-direction. You know, to me, that's sort of an extra level of support for a program like IRIS. Um, Then uh, he says he wants to invest in the direct care workforce and uh, support for family caregivers. So this is right down your alley, Lisa. You know, um, he says he wants a $15 minimum wage. Well, that would certainly be nice for personal care workers and supportive home care workers and CNAs. Um, He says he wants a paid family and medical leave uh, available. That's a big deal. You know, your your task force on workforce. I mean, that was one of your priorities. He says he wants to adopt the Domestic Workers Bill of Rights. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of groups nationally. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just unions. You know, it's also like the Caregiving Alliance and lots of other groups, ARP, who said they want to work on this. And so here I feel like they've got it in their platform. If a bunch of aging and disability and caregiver groups came together and said to the Biden administration, we're so glad that's in your platform. Let's work together to get something done right. here. That one to me is, is a, has a lot of potential. Um, he says he wants to fully fund IDEA. And we know that you know the federal funding role in special education has been very disappointing for a long time. You know, most of the money that pays for special ed in Wisconsin is not federal money. So if the feds want to step up, that could have a really big effect on kids in special ed in, in the US. But when I mentioned that big theme of strengthening the economic security for people with disabilities, well, that just sounds like a slogan. But then when you dig deeper in the platform, you see that he's saying he wants to raise SSI benefit levels. Oh, wow. And, and those have not been adjusted for inflation, you know well at all. I mean, those benefit levels, since they started the federal levels, the federal share of SSI, that hasn't kept up with inflation at all. So 
that's a huge deal. I mean, you think about how many people with intellectual or development disabilities in Wisconsin are on SSI. I mean, the impact of that would be amazing. Right. So to me, that's that's another biggie. So, you know, I don't want to go on too long, but that just gives you a little flavor. And I feel like those are things that are kind of on the table now. So if advocates and people with disabilities and family members decided, let's zero in on two or three of those mm -hmm. and really make some noise around those with the Wisconsin congressional delegation and with the Biden administration and with people like you and other people in Wisconsin who may have a voice in the Biden administration. You know, if we got together around some of these things, I think some of these items in this platform could come true. It's certainly a more encouraging start than a candidate who doesn't have a disability program uh, in their platform, or they've just got these very vague themes with no meat on the bone. I mean, he's giving us a starting place here. Well, and I know some leaders within the disability rights community nationally actually did, were able to sit down with his team and develop this. So I think that in, a, in and of itself is promising. I guess, you know, a question I have for you, Lynn, we don't know what's going to happen with Congress. We don't know, you know, who, who's going to be in control of the Senate. Some of those things are still to be decided. How much difference can a president and his administration make um, all on their own? Can they really um, make things better without a cooperative Congress, do you think? Sure. I mean, for example, enforcing civil rights uh, legislation. I mean, they don't have to ask Congress's permission to tell the Department of Justice and CMS, hey, we take the ADA seriously, and we want you to be out there making sure that public facilities and human service programs and employers are not violating the ADA. And that's something, you know, that an attorney general and a, you know, civil rights division of the Justice Department, they could do a lot on that. I think some of these policies around direct caregivers um, and family caregivers, I think there's some room there, you know, they could put out some guidelines in the Medicaid program, for example, about how they want workers treated and what kind of benefits they want, you know, and create some incentives for states to do the right thing. Um, you know, for example, like I've been talking to people in New York State now who are talking about, you know, moving towards a managed care system, and they'll have to get approval from CMS on their new system. Well, if CMS says, uh, we'd like to see some living wage uh, guarantees in your, in your plan for workers, well, New York would have to decide, well, gee, how are we going to build that in? So I think there are some things that they could do because Medicaid is such a big chunk of money that states rely on. I think, you know, an activist CMS could get states moving in a positive direction. You know, and in terms of IDEA, I mean, we all know that the Department of Education under the Trump administration has not been very friendly to students with disabilities, hasn't been very friendly to public schools in general. Uh, and some of that's straight out of the federal budget, but a lot of it is policy. And you know, and a lot the values of who was in charge too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if if they put people in the Department of Education who really believe in inclusive education mm -hmm. and are working with states, not only in terms of enforcement, but also in terms of policies and encouragement, 
I think there's a lot of stuff they could do. But the other thing about Congress is, you know, however the Senate turns out, it's going to be pretty close to 50-50. I mean, it might be 52-48, 51-49. But on a lot of the stuff that we care about, we can often find some bipartisan support, you know. And if some of these ideas are coming out of the Biden administration, and most or all of the Democrats are supporting some of these things, and a small number of Republican senators can be persuaded to join in, some of this stuff could get passed. Mm -hmm. So I actually think um, things have changed a lot. Like a couple of days ago, I was listening to an interview on television with um, Representative Kenyatta in Pennsylvania. He's a African-American Democrat. And he said something that kind of stuck with me. What he said was, a Biden victory opens the next chapter for our country, but it's up to us to write that chapter. I thought that was really true. It's like, okay, if Biden wins, that turns the page. It opens up a bunch of possibilities, but we don't know what those possibilities are going to be yet. You know, we see the Biden platform that has all this exciting stuff. We know it's not all going to happen, but who's going to decide which parts of that platform are going to happen? I think it's like Representative Kenyatta said. I say, it's up to us to write that chapter, the next chapter in the disability movement under the Biden administration. That's up to us. You know, and that means individual people writing their members of Congress, but also, you know, advocacy organizations getting together around certain priorities and, and beating the drum. So I feel like the opportunity is there. Right. So right now it's words on a paper in a Biden platform. We can nod our heads in agreement and be, and be excited about what he says his values are, but the only way any of those ever you know, come to fruition are if people like you and me and other advocates in Wisconsin and other states actually tell him, hey, prioritize this. Because I imagine exactly. a lot of demands on a new president um, in his first term to do all sorts of things, right? Exactly. I'm sure his, I'm sure his platform on the environment is really big. His healthcare platform is really big. So if we just sit in the bleachers and say, oh, nice platform, let's just sit back and watch Joe Biden implement it, that would be really naive. Because it is certainly possible that nothing in that platform gets implemented. And the only way it will get implemented, even some of those items, is we're going to have to be vocal and active and organized to, to get those things done. Very good advice. Any other thoughts, Lynn, before we call it a day? No. I'm optimistic. Let's do something good these next four years. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for sharing, as always, your expertise and advice with us. And you have a good day, Lynn. And yeah. thank you to our listeners for listening to the ARC Experience podcast. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time. Today's episode of the ARC Experience was brought to you by the ARC Wisconsin the state's oldest advocacy organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and their families. It's funded in part by the Wisconsin Board for People with Developmental Disabilities. Our theme music, called Species, is the property of EY5Z and cannot be copied or distributed without permission. It was produced by Eleanor Cheatham, a composer and artist with autism.